0: Hello and welcome. Um, today, I have a guest with me. His name is James Newcomb. A very impressive uh, 20... How old are you? 20? 24, yeah. 24-year-old uh, IFBB competitor. Um, James, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm a personal trainer in Perth. i also a bodybuilder um, and basically running out of two gyms in Perth, running out of uh, Roo Fitness... Uh, Sorry, culture, culture, in culture fitness in Wanneroo and a little gym in Claremont called Bodies by Ryan. Um, Basically, just doing personal training, online coaching um, alongside with my bodybuilding.
0: Yeah. And um, I've got James on here today because one, being a close friend, and two, being a very successful bodybuilder and playing the long game, um, really want to cover basically a lot of. Uh, myths and things that just really pissed me off in the um weight loss muscle building industry and a lot of the wank around coaching and needing a coach and people just not making the effort to, to learn and you know take some accountability and um I thought no better person um uh, than James to to do it as he's uh talk to talk and also walk the walk with um t- tell us a bit about your um Bodybuilding, bodybuilding achievements for people who don't know you?
1: Um, so I started bodybuilding in 2014. Um, I did INBA, uh, which is a natural federation in, uh, in Australia back then. I think now it's called the ICN. Uh, competed there as a teenager. I won a couple of titles through that. I then moved on to the IFBB, IFBB in about 2016. Um, I then... Also saw some success there and continued on to um, do a couple of shows through the IFBB up to this year um, and just finished a show in March, which was the Arnold Classic. Uh, yeah, it was a good show. Had a good showing and uh, won my category there. So I was pretty happy with the result. That was under 90 kilos?
0: Yes, yeah, under 90. And then you went over to over Melbourne? Was that right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, the Arnold Classic is in Melbourne, and basically we have a uh, qualifying show in Perth, which then leads on to the Arnold Classic in in Melbourne.
0: And how did you place overall?
1: Uh, Yeah, pretty good. So, basically all the winners in the categories, um, under 70s, under 80s, under 90s, under 100s and over 100s, we all go into an overall. And versus each other and there's one winner out of that who wins his pro card um and i just would have said i was in the top top three there for that one that was a good showing
0: lovely all right let's let's get to it um so one thing that i think a lot of people including myself uh want to know a bit more about is uh weight loss and for as long as i can remember myself having a sports science degree 12 years training i can't imagine how many years you've been training as well james but uh you would see this culture of uh fad diets, everyone's a coach, uh I think there's a, a lack of efficacy in the uh, the coaching realm as well. Mm-hmm. Um I think one thing that we can both agree on and previously chatted on chatted on that uh there's a really big maths element and I really want to speak to you about uh tracking, managing and measuring. Um when it comes to weight loss. So if you wanna get the ball rolling, track, manage, measure. Sure, so tracking um,
1: can come in any form. You gotta either track your nutrition, you gotta track your training, um, measurements, you've gotta you know, measure your results so that you can um, essentially see where the tracking is taking you. Um, and what was the other one, track,
0: manage? Manage and measure.
1: Oh yeah, and just how to you know managing all those all those categories to basically just see where you're going, um, how to make results and and keep that
0: keep the ball rolling. So, um, a statistic that I had seen previously was um, within the first year, seventy percent of dieting uh, individuals are putting on the weight within a year. Ninety-five percent after three years are putting on the weight, and um, I mean it goes without saying. A diet has nothing to do with your lifestyle because it's almost just a short term intervention with a short term goal and result and um, you know we're seeing trends that you know we're getting fatter as a nation and coaching is um you know yeah. the, the amount of money in coaching is phenomenal yeah but for we're sure. getting fatter yeah um, well, what why do you think this is
1: well essentially like you got to take away from, like you said, it's a diet, it's short term, um, and and look at turning into a lifestyle. So, that's what I do now. Obviously, when I got back into it, when I started my career, it actually, it actually started as a diet. So, I had to start following a diet and I followed a plan. But then from that, I, I basically got, um, I, I sort of did all my own research so that I could then Create my lifestyle from those diets, you know. So it's important to start with a diet, um, and that's why it's always great to you know get a get a program, get a protocol, um, but understand that it's short term. You know what I mean? And then from that, you have to build your lifestyle.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I I totally get that. I mean, me personally, I actually started from the uh the blood type diet of all things, and um I think it was something like white meat vegetarian. And yeah, I felt good. But then I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to eat red meat and I had this big phobia of red meat and this almost this like anti-placebo effect of eating red meat and I feel lethargic and tired. And um, as it turned out, it was like, well, it doesn't really matter. People function differently on different nutrition. Um, and something that I want to keep going back to, and this is my philosophy when it comes to a lot of... Um, health and fitness and consultation type stuff uh, for myself personally but i'm sure you can relate Um, we want to push people to the science obviously you're going to have your own anecdotal evidence from your personal experience and then every client is completely different and um, i I know for you especially in the coaching uh, realm it must be quite frustrating to see people just pumping out generic diets or generic workouts and giving it to the masses and expecting a result um so how do you kind of how do you go about that just talk us through if someone came to you as a client how would you go about it um basically you just
1: got to look at what they're doing um take what they're doing and sort of yeah you know give them either something to start off or change their lifestyle and that's based off their training age as well so like if they're um someone who's just beginning then um, you have to start them off and you have to get the ball rolling so would would get give them a diet um, but with someone who's got already got structure then maybe work on building into their lifestyle that they already have and sort of find out the points that they're doing which are their good habits and then try and eliminate the bad habits you know
0: yeah so um let's say for example zero training age um, you know 15 to 25 20- percent body fat male um just wants to get started doesn't have a specific goal but you'd probably hear the same old i just want to tone up and put on a bit of muscle um what would you suggest well i start with
1: basically looking at the client and seeing whether where the the intentions come from so like a lot of people these days will say they want to get fit They'll say they want to attain these, you know, body composition goals, but they're just approaching you because coaches are easily accessible, you know what I mean? And they think they need a coach because they need to, you know, they need to get fitter or, they, you know, they need to get results. But I have to look at everyone and say, all right, well, where's the energy coming from? Because a lot of that just sort of, you know, a lot of the people that come to you um, don't end up proceeding and going through with it um i mean obviously you know you have to encourage people too but you've got to see
0: where where the energy is coming from you know what i mean so would it be fair to say you know we want that instant gratification they just want the quick fix everyone wants the the magic pill bro (laughs) sure and um it's almost fair to say not just with um you know body composition and looking good i think it's the same with like a lot of things as well with like social media and you know, living through the eyes of these um, influential people who half the time I don't know what we're influencing when we see it. Are we leaving their page a better person? I'm not too sure half the time. The click culture. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, and it it's almost getting to a stage where the, the logical approach to losing weight has just gone so far out the window and people don't know what to believe. And, um, you know, for myself personally... I might not have the quickest metabolism, but I think if I do absolutely nothing, it's about 2000 calories. If I do about 10,000 steps, I could probably ex- account for another four to 500 calories. And then my gym workout is maybe about three to 400 calories, give or take. And I've got about 28, 2800 calories to work with on a training day, obviously a bit less on a non-training day. Um, you know, But not that I need to weigh every bit of food and um, you know be a, be a real comp prep Nazi but I still wear my watch I keep a note of what I'm eating but it's just I think would, would you agree this accountability concept is quite a, quite a big thing that people are lacking that maybe they take like a handful of nuts and one handful is actually three handfuls by the end of the day and they don't realize
1: yeah people need to um, stay self-accountable you know what i mean there's not enough self-accountability out there and that's why coaches people are going to the coaches for the accountability so they'll be paying people to make them more accountable um if that makes sense you know yeah it does. that's a, that's a lot of what i'm seeing you know what i mean um which is great like don't get me wrong if you need someone else to keep you accountable then then, then let's go with that but let's get a accountability coach <laughs>
0: That's a thing, actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, they're paying people to keep them accountable, but sometimes the energy doesn't come from them. They like that they, you know, they're self-accountable. So then you sort of like as a coach, you have to teach people to how to be self-accountable. Like people are, you know, some coaches force force people to be self-accountable. They say, oh, "I'm not going to contact you unless you contact me." Um, some people work with you. You just got to find the right people as well. You know.
0: Yeah. So. Um the accountability is one thing, and um, it's, yeah, it's it's just the, uh, I feel, this is, you, correct me if I'm wrong here, but would you say people um, eat more than they think and expend less energy than they think, resulting in a net weight gain? Would you say that's fair to say?
1: Yeah, for sure. People don't know how to track, man. Um, people need to learn to track, uh, pro- well, like, like, what is tracking though? Like, you asked me that before, right? Like, how how do we know that when we're typing in on MyFitnessPal, um, the three hundred calories is what we ate? You know, and this is something that I've um, has been become relevant recently. It was like I get a lot of people to just track food volume, and we can get a rough measure of their calories from that because calorie tracking is very inaccurate. You know, what I mean? in my in my
0: opinion, you know what I mean. So. Um, I'm almost a little bit worried. Some people are probably thinking, oh God, like chicken, rice, broccoli, what are, you know, is this where this is going? Um, <laughs> Definitely not. No, no, no. All right. Thank thank God. Because <laughs> um, my next question was uh, flexible dieting. Yeah. Just just tell me your thoughts. Is that, is that your approach? Is it good, bad, ugly? I go for a 90-10 rule. Um, depending on, you
1: know, what sort of phase I'm in, if I'm in competing or not competing. And then basically, so I will get the i'll give a structure of a whole food so something that's like gives you gives you basic structure day to day people who are too flexible i mean it works with some people don't don't get me wrong um and it works great but if you have a structure every day where you know that's what you're going to eat but then you can sort of go off it by you know 10 20 depending on where you are then um that's going to keep you more accountable you know and you can basically uh now i'm going back and saying you can track those things but you can use your daily your daily measures and you can understand sort of where, where and what you're eating you know and how many calories it comes from
0: yeah totally yeah. the um the idea of uh you know if you just you know blew out on a refeed and you're eating cake and all this like ridiculous stuff like it just doesn't fit doesn't fit the narrative yeah it happens but um <laughs> yeah of course um a big one I got from you was um, not to be scared of cereal. Um, I saw in your Instagram that you were doing, you know, protein shake and cereal. And I mean, I was like, that. that's cool. I want to do that too. That's great. I love cereal. Who doesn't love cereal? Um, and you told me about the macros that, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty high carb, also high sugar, but if it... Um, it's a great post-workout meal. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. With protein powder. It's processed. Um, it's easy. Um, and then the cereal as well. It's easy. So it's a great post-workout meal. And that's what I mean, like having those staple meals in during your day um, that you follow, you know, you, sometimes you don't need the flexibility because you can fit
0: everything in you need. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you said it is processed. That's a big uh, buzz <laughs> buzzword. So um, processed from my understanding, and correct me if, you're wrong, if I'm wrong, um, it just means that there would be less of a thermogenic effect when processing the food
1: yeah yeah i suppose so there's less mechanical load on your digestive system so it's been digested for you by some other means which is the processing you know what i mean so um that usually means it's more uh convenient um and but then you know then there comes with that like is processed food better than um non-processed sorry is non-processed food better than processed food you know um which I believe there is a difference, yeah. you know, we can go into the science of it, but it's like if you're going to have mechanical load on your digestive system, um, that's going to help burn more calories yeah. and, and versus like, you know, something
0: that's already been digested for you. Of course, I, I guess there's a time and a place from what you're suggesting, maybe um, post-workout less uh, mechanical load on the gut
1: is okay. Faster digesting, I suppose, you know, because post-workout where you need fast calories, yeah. drop, drops your cortisol down yeah. um, from training and gets the recovery process started a lot quicker.
0: Yep. And you did also mention if you didn't train hard, <laughs> you should be eating. <laughs> 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 Sorry. It's, it's funny because I always eat a full meal after a workout, but um, if you train quite hard, uh, sometimes it can be quite tough, especially a leg workout, to try and down a full meal after your workout, uh, a complete meal. Um, and that- not, if, not if you give yourself plenty of time. Sure. You know what I mean? Like if you
1: um, stay hydrated through your workout, which is, yep. which is very important, um, and then basically you can finish your workout, let your body come down because people are obsessed with like smashing a protein shake. To hit that like anabolic window, the, anabolic window, the anabolic window, everybody, anabolic window—the buzzword. <laughs> but like, do you need? Do you need to? Why can't you just eat food thirty minutes after you finish training when you feel like you're hungry again? You know, sure. Which is something that I've actually started doing myself. Yep. Um, rather than getting all these shakes in. Well, that, I mean, like you said, you had you saw my cereal and protein powder, which is great to get. You know, thirty minutes after the workout, but also even just getting. Um, I do eat the chicken and rice meals, so you know chicken and rice post-workout. You just give yourself plenty of time, and at least I'm matching up the calories. So um, you know it doesn't need to be a a protein powder shake. You know people are obsessed with the supplements um, because they think they're going to get so much more gain from supplements than they really do. um, Because
0: marketing's great, you know. Of course, (laughs) of course. And there's there's nothing wrong with supplements. There's obviously a time and a place, but. They're definitely called supplements for a reason. Yeah. Do you want to go
1: into that? Like why supplements, um, uh, you know, what supplements I use as well?
0: Yeah, by all means, go for it.
1: Like um, basically just start off with real basic stuff, Um, fish oil, vitamin D, magnesium, protein powder for convenience. And that's what I wanted to touch on. Like supplements should be for convenience. Um, They shouldn't be something you just pile in because, you know, someone said you're going to get 10% more fat loss or this or that, you know. Yeah. It should be at your convenience that matches, you know, that fits your diet and your current structure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, just maybe we won't go too deep on supplements, but you sp- you mentioned about four there. Just leave out protein, but you mentioned, was it magnesium, vitamin D? Magnesium, vitamin D. Fish oil. Fish oil. Yeah, just just let the viewers know why why those um
1: vitamin d i just take it because uh basically if we're not getting vitamin d from sun exposure um there's been a lot of benefits to show to be taking vitamin d um and then what do we say magnesium uh, like a lot of people saying you know i've seen a study recently posted saying that magnesium isn't maybe important but like it's like these science zealots and this science movement that's occurring right and we'll go back to the supplements in a sec that basically like people are if someone says because the study said that like you know this supplement doesn't work then everyone goes and not uses that supplement you know what i mean like if you believe in a supplement working for like i believe in supplements working for me because i'm an outlier of the population you know i'm 105 kilos five foot six or five five point nine yep. <laughs> um and essentially like the supplements that i use if i see benefit i will keep using them regardless of what the science says of course because the science is done on science is very poorly done a lot of the time because sample sizes aren't great so you have to really delve into the studies and see is that population applicable to me if it is then okay maybe I'll take this this study on board Um, if the population in the study isn't then maybe if it is working for you don't
0: throw it out the window because it's working for you Totally agree, and I, I had to have this argument with uh with my mom. I can't help but bring it up, and it was um uh it was about people people quote living less uh, who have a high protein diet compared to a high fat high carb diet, and I said, show me this. I would love to know because I can promise you the people are going to be overweight, not overweight. They will be heavier than the protein group thus if they're heavier they're at risk of all the health risk diseases diabetes blood pressure heart conditions yada yeah. yada, yada and just 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 to my convenience it's uh it was on mice right yeah the study yeah. was on mice great and i was like <laughs> you were trying to compare my my protein diet to to mice and but that's the problem people read the face value of that study yeah. And they'll go. All right. Well,
1: this guy posted on Instagram, or you know, uh, this this person said that you know I should read this study, and the th- but they just read the face value of the study, and they go, cool. Don't take magnesium. Then they go, All right. Cool. I've been taking magnesium. I better stop because it says stop taking the magnesium. But they didn't delve into the inside, you know, of the study and just have a look at it. If it's applicable to you, like I said, use it. You know what I mean. Like you know, follow it if it's not throw it out the window just like you were gonna throw your supplements out the window.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fair to say it's um it's definitely in our nature that um we're not free of bias. Everyone has a bit of a biased and a, sure. a side of the fence that they um are inclined to sit on and the way I always describe it to people is that uh writing like a scientific report is um it's like writing an argumentative essay. You're you've obviously got a reason that you're trying to prove a something and that, that bias should obviously be accounted for when presenting the data. Um, but uh, just applicable to what we're talking about now, how often have we heard high fat, low fat, high carb, low carb, high protein, low protein, vegan, carnivore diet, you name it. Uh, there is something to say, something on both sides, good, bad, ugly, etc. And it's just really important. And I feel like people listening just really need to, you know, when you get told something, just question it, ask why, you're entitled. And if the person who's told you that information can't, um, question them, like call them out. And For I-
1: sure. I think let's go into that. Like let's, you have to, that's what goes back to the lifestyle thing and building your own sort of lifestyle. It's like, you need to do something that works for you based off science though. Like that's what I do. So I base it off science um, and that's real general stuff. You know, like I do base, you know, um, calories in, calories out—all the basic principles. Um, but when it gets to the fine tuning of things, um, that's when you can really be picky with it, yep. because um, people are looking at the one percenters and not really just following the basics. You know, not not having core beliefs. They'll be like, "Cool, someone said low carb, so and I'm doing high carb. It's not working for me. I'm going to do you know, just switch
0: it up just yep. because like they saw a study that said that." Yeah, I, and I mean, um, I. I must admit, when I was younger, uh, I got afraid of carbs. There was a period there where I wanted to be really lean. And um, as it turned out, I would just prefer to eat the same sort of diet to a degree and just move a bit more. Um, and I even found, and this is what I want to touch up on next, is um, some of these sort of fad diets. Um, I think some of them do have a place because, like we said, client specific it's going to be that some things are going to be better for certain people um i know um fasting has been pretty hot topic lately um
1: yeah i, I do a little bit of fasting yeah, I, let, yeah. let's
0: see let's hear what you have to say about fasting um
1: i, I do it for a digestive sort of benefit you know a digestive release or let go you know because then i don't have to i'm smashing six meals five meals a day um so once a week or once a fortnight especially in prep when the protein's really high i do like to do a 24-hour fast um and just sort of give my body a rest a smash water and you'll still have food digesting through your gi tract um the day before that if you keep drinking water and you keep your blood pressure up you feel fine 24 hours is piss easy you know yep. you can do that very easy i have done uh, 72 hours before which is quite difficult um i know some people have done much longer than that um i don't think i don't as a bodybuilder see the benefits of doing three-day fasts or anything like that but i do for for people eating high meal frequency 24 hour fasts throw one in every fortnight that that'll be
0: great for you so it'd probably be fair to say that you know it just gives your digestive tract a rest. Yeah, realistically, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thoughts on the uh, effects on hormones when we come to talking about a fast.
1: Um, not not a hot topic for me because um, I don't too much know too much around what it does with your hormones. For but sure. I know some people like it for the um, cognitive benefits. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I I can, I can vouch for that. I definitely feel when I don't eat, I can think more clearly. Um, you know, when I do my fast 24 hour fasts, if I've had good food the day before and I keep my waters up, I I feel great the next day. I don't have to worry about when my next meal is and and whatnot. And it's just, it's a great day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We're not going to disappear if we uh, don't eat food for a, a short period of time. And I think what you're sort of touching up on is, um, your body wants to be in a state of um, homeostasis. So if you're constantly digesting, you're taking away from, like you said, cognitive function and potentially, uh, I'm not going to say performance, but um, even if you were going to do like a a day of activity in the sense that you needed to focus, let's say you were going to go like shooting or archery or something like that, mm-hmm. you would probably want maximal mental clarity as opposed to being loaded up with food yeah like it's sure. it's almost like the hunter-gatherer method of okay I'm gonna go chase a lion <laughs> do I want to be on a full stomach Pro- probably not mm-hmm. um, and we can obviously store carbohydrates in our muscles and um, we're not gonna disappear like you've mentioned you've done some long periods you didn't disappear you're still here great <laughs> um, um, yeah it could, could even help you build muscle we'll put that question out to everyone
1: you know like it could um, giving your body a rest and sort of resetting everything um, will just allow your allow better performance in the long term. I mean, obviously, if you're not training on the day of fasting, um, I have done that and it's not, it's not great because like you're putting a lot of stress on your body and then you're not going and eating
0: and then you're also dehydrating as well. So if, yeah. So you just, you know, that, that training is not going to be your, your one RMs. It's going to be more of just to get in there and move a bit. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, I do all my walking and, get, and do all my steps and, or, or whatever cardio I have for the day. Um, but I won't do weightlifting training like yeah. um, if I'm fasting. Because like I said, tried it, don't recommend it.
0: I mean, look, we, we can both agree that uh, for performance in the gym, you're going to want some carbs in you.
1: Yeah, for sure. You want some food digesting. You want something, yes.
0: Yeah. Um, so, even, even you can
1: wake up in the morning and fast and train from the night before, that's still fine. Yeah. You don't, you don't want it digesting at the time of gym. So yeah. I actually eat two hours before I go to the gym. Yeah. Um, and it used to be an hour, but I used to get reflux and used to have all these problems. So I push it out to two hours and I feel great. You know, I just keep my water up high. Um, and two hours, that two hour fasting is great. Yeah.
0: Um- And something we mentioned uh, before actually getting on here was um, switching up your fuel source was something I think is um, really applicable to... Definitely, yeah. People would want to hear. Yeah, well, your body gets used to
1: the fuels fuels that you're eating. You know what I mean? So, I follow um, a bodybuilder, Ben Pakulski, who strongly believes in uh, like a fat burning or like reteaching your body to to burn fats. You know what I mean? Um, Because your body will become efficient at using the fuels that you're fueling it you know what i mean so eating a a fuel source that's predominant in your diet let it be carbohydrate or fats every now and then changing up your source of fuel to just keep keep the body you know just to keep the the variation in as well for your body you know because like that's how plateaus can come into things sure you you know i I believe your body finds like you know the path of least resistance
0: totally um and also the uh change of food the variety the did we mention micro micronutrient yeah, uh, yeah micronutrient differences yeah, yeah for so sure. for example going from um let's say rice to potato as an example um you're going to get a completely different micronutrient profile from that change of food thus keeping your body well how would you describe it uh
1: yeah diff- different micronutrients keeps the variation you don't know what micronutrients you're getting yeah and i recently spent some time in thailand and under- like when i was there the calories that you eat here don't equal the calories that you're eating there because their foods are completely different they're grown differently they don't have genetically modified food because they don't have the money to put into it um i was eating a lot more food um and like i don't say like getting away with it but like yeah like not gaining as much i was allowed to eat i I could eat way more and i felt like good i felt good doing it whereas if i try to eat that much here it's like it's just completely different you know yeah i mean i'm looking at fuel sources like where you're getting your fuel from like where where you're shopping from man you know what i mean like where do you shop from do you shop organic do you do you shop you know all packet food like do you shop at cole's do you go to a butcher i go to a butcher i shop at the the subi subiaco markets um and basically that's that allows me to you know i think going to the Coles and Woolies branches you get um they you get what they want to give you you know what i mean like you have genetically modified food if the food is bigger does it have more micronutrients in it or does it or it doesn't i don't know like i honestly don't know like but i beg the question to people um if you're if the food is like if you're getting zucchinis as big as my forearm like (laughs) (laughs) is it gonna have the same micronutrients
0: as a zucchini that's you know like tiny little one yeah. that's organic. And, and I, I totally agree with that in the sense that um, you could look at, uh, this is just a tip for people at home, is um, if you look at the chicken breast and you go somewhere that's quite cheap, uh, I'm not going to mention names or throw places under the bus, but if the chicken is cheap, just look at the breast and you can actually see a lot of the time if they're big, the stretch marks, because the chicken has just grown too quick. Oh, yeah, grainy. And, um, it's like it looks, the
1: muscles look way bigger. Yeah, Even if it's hormone-free, they're like genetically get the chickens that grow faster and it's horrible because they grow so fast that they, they like can't walk properly and all that. You know what I mean? Like they're just modifying all your food at those big retail places, um, for the masses, you know what I mean? And you know, as body, as a bodybuilder, I'm not a part of the masses. So I go and get, you know, I go to a local butcher, I buy organic where I need to, um, and, you know, and, and just keep good sources going in as much as possible. I'm trying to reduce like pesticide load. Um, you know, we don't know what's out there for pesticides. Like it's just, you just want to avoid all that, um, the possibilities, uh, that could be doing harm in your body.
0: Yeah. there's, There's a lot that we don't know about what we're consuming in, um, Western culture, but I mean, you know, unless we're planning on, you know having our own farm or something you know we can only do our best and you know try and if you if you're pro-organic and you 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 believe that's the way you, you got to support you know your local um you know xyz your market your butcher um where you're getting your eggs and that sort of stuff because that's the only way you're going to get a cultural shift i feel
1: and and that's also where you can know where it comes from like if you know the people that make it yeah. or like you know we go to the supermarkets we talk to the, the people there come straight from the farms like we still don't know like we still haven't been to the farms and know what's what's like how they're freaking making the food but yeah. like you just you at least you have a better understanding of it you know what i mean like whereas those bigger chains um yeah, they, they, you just don't know where it's coming from.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, what was I going to say? Um, probably one of the last things I want to speak to you on about nutrition is what's your, what's your approach to a refeed?
1: Refeeds? Refeeds. Um, I just go in prep. I go higher carbohydrate just to basically, like we can both agree the carbohydrates for performance. Yeah. Um, And when you're needing to perform, I just do a high carb refeed um, whenever my body weight drops too low. So I just track body weight every day and I get a very good understanding of what my body weight does and where it fluctuates throughout the week um, and just stay super consistent with that. Then um, when I have a body weight drop or an irregular drop, then I'll just do a a one to two day refeed of predominantly carbohydrates um, and then feed up on carbs but then i've also noticed that if you're throwing the fats in there that's allowing slower digestion which i i feel like you're having better absorption of the carbohydrates so you've got like i've done super low fat on on diets where um and and refeeds where the carbs like don't even touch the sides you know you have like 1500 you know 1500 gram of carb um for those who track macros they know that's a lot of carbohydrate um monstrous and i lose the weight i lose weight the next day yeah. You mean like it pushes through and it just disappears then when i add a little yeah. bit of fats in there healthy or or non-healthy whatever sure. entails healthy <laughs> or non-healthy fats yeah um then the weight stays and holds a little bit more yeah you know so i play around with that just to keep my body weight at a, at a good place yeah but that's that's considering as well i'm happy with
0: my conditioning like if I mean, if conditioning's good, refeed. You know of course, I mean? you, you got to earn it. Yeah. It's fair to say. 100%. Because um, I think with myself, I probably lose about 1 to 1.5 kilos during the week by about Monday to Sunday. And then mm-hmm. I'll refeed, you know, obviously I'm not a pro bodybuilder or anything like that, but I'll, you know, generally eat what I want to eat on that sort of Sunday. And uh, what what used to happen back in the day, it was... Pizza and ice cream and just oh calories don't count and this bullshit, but <laughs> they count, they all count, and then you can undo a week's worth with week, weeks worth of work quite easily. Oh man, you can do, undo sixteen weeks worth of of dieting in like two weeks. There, there you go. I mean, I've and, seen it happen. You know. Yeah, and um, I I just found that even like you mentioned in Thailand that obviously there was a different sort of uh digestion going on. Um, just touching up that. I'm sure when you're on holiday as well, you were moving more. I would assume you were probably just your steps would have been higher. I'm guessing. Yeah, man, walking everywhere, just enjoying the sun, doing beach walks, like exploring Thailand in itself. Yep. it was good fun, man. I was over there for eight weeks, and uh, I, I know like a like a funny a funny little thing. I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but um, there's actually light receptors, so photoreceptors in fat cells. So if you actually want to go lose a bit of weight, you can just go spend some time in the sun in winter. um, Because there goes supplement with vitamin D. Yeah, that's it. And um, (laughs) you're, you're actually more inclined uh, to hold onto fat when you're actually wearing more clothes. And you know, when people talk about winter weight, it's actually a thing. It's actually scientifically proven, which um, I thought was pretty funny, but that that doesn't mean go smash some ice cream and take some vitamin D. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's man. I'm happy with that. That's awesome stuff. Um, I wanted to talk about um workouts and in your opinion, and we'll discuss a bit about superior workouts. That you know, you have principles, you have something that you follow. I don't know, you don't have to preach, but like, I want to hear it from you
1: for sure, man. I I basically just have um, and this has taken a really long time to build like uh, a structure of how I train all my muscle groups so that when i go in and choose exercises there's an intention for choosing every exercise um at a certain phase of the workout um usually and just to skip over it really briefly it's most contracted position of the muscle muscle first so you're taking the muscle through
0: the most contracted end range give give us an example and keep it like keep it simple that i understand too (laughs) yeah sure
1: um (laughs) So, like a
0: floor press for chest. Floor press so for chest. Start
1: off with the most contracted position. Yeah. Because if you don't have any blood in the muscle, you'll be able to get a full contraction. Um, with with you know, as soon as you start getting a little bit of pump, a little bit of blood flow, you lose that f- that contractibility. Sure. Um, so starting off with an exercise like that, where you end range. Um, so would that found- be the
0: same as a so a rack pull to a deadlift? Um.
1: That's, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. S- similar. Yeah, yeah, as you're in the end range, you're, sure. you're keeping most contracted. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then basically then I structure to go more and I might do a couple of exercises of those. So more, you know, at the start, then go through mid-range yep. during the middle of the workout and then go through the... The end range, so the stretch, the other end, so non-contracted, the stretch range of the muscle group. Sure. Um, so for chest, a fly, you yeah. know what I mean? And finishing off with that. So the middle exercise would have been maybe another press, but not a floor press, a, a, just a normal barbell press or dumbbell press. And then finishing with a fly or something like that and just structuring all my muscle groups of that. And that obviously because, like, like I said, it's taken a while to build that because my understanding of each muscle group... Has grown like drastically, even in the last tw- the last twelve months. Yeah, you know what I mean. Versus the last five years, and yep. and you just, I recommend for people to really try and learn their body. So, get a program, get get something off someone basic, and then learn how that program fits your body. Because everyone will sure. be like, "Oh, cool, let's go and use um, a chest press machine." But they would be like, oh, that's a crap machine. That's, that's shit. I don't like that machine. But what I'll do is I'll go to that machine and be like, how can I work my body for that machine? You know, that sure. machine may not work for me. Um, but I'll find a way that, you know, and that th- isn't always a way. But, you know, I'll try my best to find a way to make that machine work for me. Whether, whether on the chest press, it's make take my hands wider, raise the seat, lower the seat. People don't, um, you know, they don't go into it far enough. They just sit there and they move sure i mean they don't learn their body while they're training sure and
0: um how many
1: years have you been training uh shit man i started training when i was 16 so in the gym when i was 16 so that's eight years
0: jesus christ um
1: it's relatively short you know compared to most people like um it usually takes a lot longer to to build the muscle
0: but um you know um, I mean, I know from personal experience, um, I used to train with a friend religiously, same workout, we just copied each other and it was kind of just like a, um, you know, three muscle groups three times a week and then, no, sorry, so like a chest, back, legs and then like mm-hmm. an all body four day split was what we were doing. Um, I did my set 3-4 in fitness and all of a sudden I actually knew what I was doing and even just from that alone, uh, a huge leap in um, performance and what I was getting out of the gym. And I think even since then, I literally have not stopped learning. So started when I was 16, I'm 28 now, um, you know, whether that's like setting the scaps when you uh, bench or if you're inter- supernating, well, what was it, internal rotation, When no. What do you do when you deadlift? When you grab the bar, to turn your lats on, externally rotate, externally rotate, internally rotate. I don't know, whatever one, whatever
1: whatever suits your body best. Yeah,
0: I think it's um, internally rotate, internally. Oh Jesus Christ! I can't even describe it. It's been so long since I went to uni. We'll go deadlift. But but, um, um, there's just little things that I've just been picking up um as I've gotten older and just like it's just not. It's not an overnight thing to sure, know your body. You yeah. need to be.
1: You need to start becoming conscious of your entire body on movements. So I'd been to a seminar um, at the start of this year, which they touched on how mobility um, ties in with stability, and you know if you don't have the mobility, you can't take that. Um, you can't go into those end ranges because you're not stable in those end ranges. Yeah. So just like you know it's it's fairly complex but just understand like your body as a whole like if you're doing a bicep curl um and you your feet are super close together like widen the base of support Do just become start becoming conscious of what your entire body is doing if you're letting you if you're letting your guts out you know that's a big one for bodybuilding you know guys with the growing guts you know like it's like it's just laziness bro it's people are getting lazy. Um so just be more conscious of like what your body is doing when you're working out and don't make it movement, make it working out.
0: Yeah, you know? sure. Um the, the the mind muscle is I think where we're getting at with that one. Yeah, the definitely, mind man. connection. The mind
1: muscle, yes. Yeah. So contract the muscle, don't just move. Um you know, because like power, so we'll go into two examples powerlifting and bodybuilding. Powerlifting is just moving weight, yeah, and bodybuilding is um, more or less contracting the muscle, you know what I mean? Yeah, so because like it, your muscle doesn't know how much weight you're lifting, yeah, you know, so um, whereas everyone gets caught up in like if you in moving weights you know and i, I admittedly was caught up in it as well when i sure. started training it's like getting the biggest bench press or you know getting the numbers
0: up but but it's but it's fair to say that it's like you need to maybe push those limits to just have an idea that hey like i tried it it didn't work
1: for sure but progressing too fast will cause um dysfunction in your body sure and people trying to progress too quickly are going to get dysfunctional sure sure um so stay functional and that's what i've been touching on big recently man is it's like keeping your body your body performing optimally with your mobility work yeah um do all the little extra things that you that you uh you know that you're restricted in yeah like go into the 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 movements in your workouts that you don't normally do like if you're a someone that sits on a desk yep um you know work outside that range of motion yeah rather than being inside in front of you do all your
0: exercises out wide you know you know just even you saying sitting at a desk my hip flexors are hurting yeah like just 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 thinking of that um obviously like slouching posture um hip flexors um even your upper upper chest as well being uh you know, thoracic, uh, I think it's kyphosis, rounding of the shoulders. Yeah, kyphosis. Um, yeah, there's just a, I think it all comes back down to that accountability that, you know, even if you don't know, just sort of think about it logically that, you know, if you sit in a car all day or on a truck or a forklift or a desk, uh, you're not moving and, you know, it, you got, it's going to put you in an unnatural position. We For sure, man. We our, weren't designed like that.
1: Our bodies were built to move. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, So so move you know if you're driving a car and sitting at a desk you're in those two positions with the the hip flexor range so just do just do a frequent movement that takes you outside of that range of motion yeah you know just be aware man like not also in your train, like not just in your training but in your day-to-day life of what you're doing because that's going to play into your training big time 100% like you know i i put on muscle um fairly easily and if i'm putting on muscle while i'm dysfunctional, then I have all these imbalances and all these problems and all these injuries that just keep falling out. So, I've found to be the least, you know, the least injured I've ever been, do the mobility work, um, do the stability work. Yeah. And I know it sounds dry, but maybe, uh, you know, that sounds dry when I say that, but like you can start mixing it into your workouts as well. Sure. For the people that um, have good understanding of, of training, like... Give an example. If someone wants, you know, if someone's trying to open up their back, you know, if they're if they're spending ten minutes before workout rolling out their back, do a dumbbell, uh, what well, a dumbbell pullover, the, the back isolation, the lat isolation exercise, yep. and put the bench right where you're rolling the ball or yep. r- rolling the the roller for ten minutes. Yeah. But use that as an exercise. So now that that the roller that you're doing for ten minutes can actually be put into your workout. Yeah. And it's like mixing up all the things that you don't want to do into the workout. It's it's almost quite the
0: contrary. Like it's uh, it might sound dry, but you're actually integrating it into your workout. Yeah, to make it not dry. To make it not dry. Make it wet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so on on that topic, um, I know for myself personally, I've re not I'm not going to say relearned, but I've reset uh, my squat and deadlifts multiple times over the years just due to uh, gaining strength a bit too quick and then the strength has hindered uh, my ability to perform the exercise thus I leave the exercise and then I come back to it at a later date so just recently with uh, with my deadlift um, I can actually I'm actually flexible enough to set up properly for the deadlift and um, I can actually like build up again because I used to, when I was a uh, early 20s I was doing um, god something like five i didn't i think i got up to about five of 200 on a deadlift and ever every session leading up to those deadlifts um i was just having a sore back that was just i was just not mechanically designed to do that i wasn't in the right position uh i was obviously hurting myself
1: for sure that goes into like overuse injuries yeah you know what i mean so people that are doing way too much of one movement so you're doing way too many deadlifts you know people were sitting in the desktop way too much you know what i mean it's like you also have to find the counter movements for the things that you're overdoing so if you know if you're deadlifting a ton do all your ab work man or brace while you're doing it you know what i mean like keep the antagonist movement as strong as the the movement that you're trying to get strong at yeah you know what i mean and that's um that's a part it is it's dry again but yeah. like just just back up the volume if you're really trying to get a big chest you know or something for example you know like someone's just you know say someone comes obsessed and i was at one point just obsessed with getting a really big chest like you're gonna cause yourself issues if you build a really big chest over time you can build it you know over time you'll be able to hit the volume you keep the weights going up but then you hit this point of like literally point of no return where it's gotten bigger and tighter and then you can't, you can't no longer grow the muscle because you can no longer move the muscle as freely as you once did. So if you're not doing the work on the other side, your rear delts, your back, your scapular work, yep. then you're going to hit this point where you no longer see benefits. You know, so for people that are plateauing in their lifts, maybe just look at look at that. You know, what lifts are you plateauing in? Yeah, are you doing the, the the antagonist or the opposite yep. um, movements to help balance you out?
0: And I mean, it, it wouldn't even be a bad idea to just maybe have your your gym partner or your friend to just look at your anatomical structure, just look at you from the side, the front, see what looks uh, developed, underdeveloped, and I mean, I'm not saying go get a coach or whatever, but you can kind of see if someone is like overdeveloped in chest and biceps, they're going to have that sort of tight upper upper shoulder, upper chest, sort of a uh, rounding of the shoulders. Yeah, for sure, man. And that's gonna that's obviously going to cause some issues and. Um, you know sometimes that's quite an easy fix and I know know for a fact with um mobility and stretching uh rolling uh sort of all that all that together um I find when I just put a bit more extra emphasis on that my lifts naturally will just go up because I can get into those ranges a lot more comfortably a lot more safely and obviously with my deadlifting example um yeah, that it's just
1: taking a, a more holistic approach to yeah. it. Yeah, like, you know I mean rather than like a hard headed approach, like I'm gonna get my deadlift to, you know, I'm gonna move numbers. It's like, well, no, nah, like just take a, like take a whole picture because once you build uh, muscles and and other things, like once things start to overdevelop, um, you're gonna you're gonna have issues, man. Yeah. So, try and do things for those that are starting, like try and do things right um, rather than like, you know, trying to headbutt walls down and get these amazing numbers or certain things, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, I know for a fact as well, um, if you've got more of your, you know, endurance fibers, for example, I'm going to use the calves here as the example because a lot of people say they can't grow their calves um I've got a little calf protocol we can oh great because uh (laughs) I'll give you mine it's pretty straightforward um I tried a bit of everything and I just found that um just sort of medium medium volume two to three times a week body weight three four sets to failure and that was enough to basically just bring it up to the size of my my arms and that's that's all I really wanted but to be honest before that uh I thought this was impossible and i'll just <laughs> get the impossible port. calf yeah. task. yeah exactly everyone so. runs
1: into it man i can't tell i can't tell you how to build calves i can tell you how i built my calves um and essentially i just did every second day one 10 minute set with four seconds down one second up so Jeez, it was literally stress. just 10 minutes straight just calves <laughs> for 10 minutes just straight like it was it was burning it was crazy it wasn't fun um it was fun for a bit and then you know but i did that every second day for a about ten months. Yeah. Um. Obviously, at the start, you go through a lot of lot of muscle soreness. So that that proved to me, yep. that like the calf muscle was slow slow twitch. Yeah. Um. And therefore, could be built through just volume. Yeah. Um. And but that's also just an intensity technique. You of know, course, like Of course. If you go in and you just you know keep things intense, then. Yep. Like, you're going to grow the muscle if you, you if you hit the volume right. But then touching on that and, and tying in what we were just saying before, now I have tibialis issues. So, the tibialis, mm. for pe- people who don't know what anterior tibialis is, it's like the front of your shin, yep. the muscles on there, I now have to build those of course, to get bigger calves because my calves stop growing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and that's so, the same
0: example of, you know, having the massive chest and you're probably going to struggle to engage your back. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, uh, obviously through trial and error, I mean, you can obviously Google this sort of stuff where, um, you know, which are more endurance muscle fibres and which are more explosive and then training them appropriately is, um, you know, through a progressive overload applicable to the muscle fibre type. Um, mm-hmm. Just before we uh, finish on the resistance training, you were saying first exercise, you train it in the- con- max- most Yeah, most contracted position. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to just assume that you, that would be the largest load, like total weight lifted would... Uh, not well, total yeah, weight. because
1: that's my first exercise, you know what I mean? And then I can get quite a good contraction, but, yeah. you know, yeah. most load is a relative term because most load for some people is, you know, like, well, you know, it's it's different for everyone. So, I get a, a rep range of like 8 to 12, yeah. um, I hit the higher reps at start, but... Yeah. Go go closer to twelve, and then throughout my workout, go down to the eight reps. So I'm still keeping heavy.
0: So with um with powerlifters and bodybuilders, obviously they look extremely different. And you said, you said with the bodybuilders, what was the what was Contract, the diff-
1: contracting the muscle mu- yep. muscle? Sorry, yep. and um, powerlifters moving weight.
0: Okay, yeah. So um, would it be fair to say because powerlifters are lifting a more absolute weight? They're going to get more of a neurological, uh, you know, firing of the like the central nervous system. For sure. Thus, um, you know, they might not be as big as a bodybuilder, but they're obviously stronger because they're firing those neural pathways way more than a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like heavyweights are still
1: important. Of course. You know what I mean? Like yes. you still got to do a strength phase Yeah. Um, because strength and hypertrophy are two different things. Yeah. Um, we won't go into the, the nitty-gritty of it, but, like, you have hyperplasia. Yep. Um, I think it's hyperplasia. Hyperplasia is the... Yeah, s- yeah, of muscle... Number of muscle cells and then hypertrophy, which is the thickness of the yes. fibers. So, you train for both, you know what of I mean? Of course. Um, I don't train for both in the same workout. I just do a little bit of a strength phase. Um, so, you know, some people just mix it all into one workout. They do sure. strength and hypertrophy in the same workout. Sure. I'll just basically... Do a phase where twelve weeks is more hypertrophy based, yeah, and then I'll switch to some more strength exercises, um, for it for twelve weeks. Yeah, you know what I mean. More
0: sorry, exercises, more strength rep range. Because I um I know when I was at uni, uh, in the strength and conditioning unit, they covered hyperplasia. Uh, obviously, growth hormone helps with that, but um, specific to resistance training, um, cluster sets where you uh do sort of a you know, maybe a, let's say an eight, let's say an eight hour, let's say your one rec max is a uh, hundred on bench, like a cluster set would be taking about a 10 RM or no, sorry, that's a bit too much. We'll go a five RM of, let's say around 80 kilos, but you would do three and then you would rack it, take a short break and do another three. Oh, yeah, the rest-pause technique. The rest-pause technique. and
1: Yeah, that's great, man. It's just another intensity variable. So, yeah. Like, all these things um, that you can use are intensity techniques. Um, it's just, like, whether or not you want to use them, like, when, you, when do you want to use them, you know? Yeah. Can you get away with using a, an intensity technique, like a drop set, a cluster set? um a superset, like all these things in the same workout. Yeah. Probably not, man. So yep, yep, yep. um like and then people smash it, you know? Some people like there's this tendance, tendency for people these days to go in like if you've ever heard of MRV, max recover maximum recoverable volume. Sure. Everyone is obsessed with doing as much as they can. Yeah. Um and getting away with it. Sure you know I mean like, you know, can I do 50 sets a week and still grow muscle it's like well should we just look at um doing a little bit less and reco- yeah. recovering better
0: yeah 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 because you you're know what what I mean? not you're obviously not gonna grow if you're not recovering
1: you know 100 doesn't, doesn't yeah make yeah any sense. yeah yeah you just gotta let let the body enough time to
0: recover yeah between workouts and it uh, I, yeah. I was going to say, like the body will, the body will tell you. The body will have ways of telling you that you have not recovered, and that's yeah, for sure, man. Your symptoms of overtraining and yeah, little niggles, little pains, yeah, um, all those inflammation, yep. joint issues, muscle soreness that's not recovering. But uh, on that topic, let's talk recovery. Yeah, uh, this is a this is for a sure. big one for you as well. Um, What do you want to... What should we start first?
1: Uh, Recovery techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Things that I do for myself. Yeah. Um, I do ice baths. um, So, basically, just 10 10 minutes in an ice bath. Nice and cold. Um, I hate that stuff, but go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Any excuse not to? Yeah. for me, I just do it as like an inflammation reducer. Yeah. Even though guys are like, oh, well, don't do it. You know, the science people, don't do ice baths because you're going to limit your gains.
0: Okay. That, that's. That, I know that I've heard that one and I've heard that's more of like an immediately after. When do you ice bath?
1: I ice bath approximately 24 hours after. After a workout. When I'm like, like my legs, when I train legs, just yep. get super inflamed. Sure. If I train them heavy. So I, I, yep. I ice bath. 24 hours after that Yeah And another 24 hours after that yeah. For my legs Just to make the inflammation go down Because too much inflammation Yeah Can be bad Sure I mean? Then I can't do My walking properly Or I yeah. can't do another exercise During the week Like I can't train back Yeah If I just train legs Because uh, My legs are too sore for too long So I'm using that as a recovery tool Sure um, to help me recover a little bit faster, or just make the the pain go away a little bit
0: quicker. And when you say ten minutes, are you your legs are submerged for ten minutes? You're just coughing that.
1: Yeah, just just straight in three. I do three bags of ice, um, which is pretty. That's like, a lot of ice. Yeah, that's um, a lot. <laughs> in in a little ice bath.
0: Yeah. Um, are they twenty kilo bags? No, just five. five? I think five man, kilo yeah. bags. Yeah, from and, the. Survey. And you've got like a just a general two person
1: yeah oh it's actually supposed to be a four person but oh so it's a it's a warm bath, <laughs> warm nah. bath for me.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah so uh ice baths probably my biggest one yep um i focus big on nutrition for recovery like if i'm not getting my meals in, i'm not gonna recover sure um i also do i got myself a little sauna um infrared sauna and just use that uh yep I don't know if i use that as a recovery tool but i definitely use that every second day so whether or not that's helping my with my recovery sure um it's just helping water turnover um i believe in some of the other science behind it like uh it's just limits plaque build up in the brain so yep. those with uh history of alzheimer's in their families probably look at getting one yep yep um but yeah they're probably my probably my biggest one
0: would be ice bath yeah. just uh with the ice bath uh not Going into too much details, but just tips for people who want to do it but just hate the cold or find it just daunting. How, how do you? Do you psych yourself up? Are you just used to it it. Is the first time? Oh, you can go into a little bit of breath work. Sure. So you can like, uh, well, don't
1: try hyperventilate too much. Hypoventilate. So okay. just like really deep breaths, all the way in, all the way out. Yeah. You can sort of like you know just you can calm yourself or like excite yourself depending on which one you need yep. out of the two um, and then just jump in and enjoy it. Oh, just jump in, J- jump, in. Just keep, jump in, keep moving as well. Because if you stay still for too long, yeah, um, the heat sort of like pulls around your legs or your body and then it's like starts to get warm. Uh, but if you just do a little
0: shimmy, <laughs> it gets colder and then you get more recovery benefits maybe. <laughs> sure. 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 The, um, the infrared sauna, stuff um i know like a bit of experience with myself that um i think you can't really argue the fact that if you're circulating the uh the water in your body so obviously if you're hydrated and then you're sweating um there has to be some element of toxin excretion oh for sure even if the science the science let's say it's not Even even if it's like 0.01%, you're still getting rid of some toxins in your body.
1: Yeah, for sure. Even if you're reabsorbing them after you're sweating them out, at least you're getting some out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Better out than in. But um, I know uh, from stuff that I've read is that um, they say after the sauna, just, you know, wait wait 10 minutes if you can, 15, even better, and just pat dry uh, as opposed to just, you know, getting out and then just wiping yourself straight away because you can push them back in the pores. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
1: Um, I have a towel with uh, when I do my saunas. Yeah. And every like, well, like I sweat, I bloody piss, piss sweat when I'm in there. But I'll wipe myself down every five minutes. Yeah. Um, or pat myself down essentially just so I'm not just sitting in my own sweat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe like I do, I've gone up to 45 minutes and at that point you're probably dehydrating yourself. Yeah. Yep. But I sit in there with a 2.2 liter water bottle and just keep necking that neck the whole time, and I make yeah. sure I finish almost two liters if I'm doing forty five minutes. Yeah, um, because sweating will uh, like sweating turns on ADH, which is antidiuretic hormone. So mm. if you keep the waters up, you can turn off the ADH and just counter counteract the the response from the sweating. A- ADH is uh, antidiuretic hormone. Hormone, so it stops you from urination. Or
0: yeah, stop. So if stops you keep therapy. drinking, it will stop yeah. you from peeing
1: yeah water is water is a diuretic right yeah so yeah, all these people who are trying to like water load and then cut water it's like bro i drink water all the way into when i'm on stage yeah so a little, little little tip for everyone that stops their water yeah um it's like what if you drink water yeah it's gonna keep keep the water turnover yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah i mean stop drinking water and you you hold on to water it's real yeah. simple, man. Uh, sounds like a steady state, you know, homeostasis type thing. If there's yeah. obviously a lot of water in the system, I'm sure there's going to be a osmosis, some sort of water response to that, which is what you mentioned with the uh, the ADH, antidiuretic hormone. Yeah. Um, so obviously, if there's a lot of water in your system, your blood is going to fill, you're going to pee, and that's going to continue until you're at a state of what you perceived as normal. Yeah, for sure,
1: man. Um, Anything else on recovery?
0: uh so we talked about ice bath sauna nutrition um i don't know so you had that prickly thing in your house little prickly foot thing prickly foot thing oh the um
1: shakti mat yeah yeah
0: man Uh, i don't know that's
1: uh that's more meditation sort of stuff which i suppose is a recovery tool sure i've been meditating every day um 10 minutes it's more breath work than meditation yep um but like there's so many different types of meditation. If you're not doing it, go research it, check it out, because it might you know, there's different different forms of meditation that will work for you. Yeah. I just sit there, it's not like I'm frigging floating and in, in mid space and just like Maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Um No, no and, and just just breathe, man. I just breathe, I focus on my breath, close my eyes, um, block out one of your senses which is which is your sight yeah and once you do that you can sort of really find yourself in the present moment um and that allows you to like yes thoughts are going to come up and you're going to start thinking about shit what i got to do today what i got to do tomorrow what do you know um all these different things but if you can block those thoughts out and clear your mind yeah then i think it's big for recovery man like it's it's Played a lot into my recovery recently. Yeah. yeah just feeling better, feeling more uh, calm. And maybe that's just the breath work or maybe it is the meditation, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I know I know for a fact um, I find it very hard to sit still and, you know, people have described it as like the monkey brain where you just got 101 things going on. For sure, man. Like your yeah. body wants to do exactly
1: what it did the day before. Yeah. Um, because that's survival. So, like- if you wake up, like, it used, it was very difficult for me to start meditating. Of course. Um, like, when I sat down, I was just thinking about, like, getting up, cooking breakfast, brushing my teeth, just doing something. Yeah. You know what I mean? But your body has those, like, preconditions that it wants to be doing, doing those things. And there's no difference if you did them now or if you did them in 10 minutes. Yeah. So, taking that time to just, and that's all it's been, 10 minutes, man. 10 minutes every single day. Yeah. I stay accountable to myself and I do it as soon as I wake up in the morning. Yeah. I mean admit, admittedly in the last few weeks I haven't been um but when I was over in Thailand every single day sure 10 minutes even twice a day sometimes yeah. um to take myself to a little peaceful part on the beach or on the rooftop and yep. and just block everything out.
0: And I mean re- realistically 10 minutes a day I mean I wouldn't want to know how much time you know us, average person, social media. I don't think 10 minutes a day is asking a lot for a bit no, of time. No, man.
1: No, no. There's, there's, I was reading a book over there and I was talking about meditation. Yeah. That's why I got into it. And it was basically just saying how stopping your thoughts for 10 minutes a day. They were actually saying to do it 10 minutes three times a day. Sure. So, 30 minutes a day. And they actually showed studies on that. Yeah. Um, the book was called... Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Um, super good book. And basically, they were just saying if you can stop your thoughts, then you'll be able to reduce your IgA, I think it was, which is your like immune, immunoglobin you know, response, which is basically just a stress response. Sure. If you have too many thoughts going in your brain, yep. there's, a, there's a high stress response, you know? If you're constantly thinking about the future- Yeah you're constantly stressed about the future yeah you know even if you' you know it's if it's not a stressful thing you're thinking about sure because your your brain is elsewhere it's not currently right in the present moment you know yeah
0: and 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 what it sounds like um, is that it's almost like a you're servicing your brain you're just giving it like a, a chill a bit of a clean
1: yeah man like y- you don't understand how many like uh, unconscious thoughts you have going through your head at, at a time. Sure. And being able to clear all of that space yep. consciously yeah, will then allow you to
0: unconsciously be more clear-minded. Of course. And I mean, like, uh, to give people at home an understanding, like, we operate a lot on subconscious. We're not thinking a lot of the time when we're doing things, you're not thinking about walking and moving your arm and looking over there, yada, yada. Um, yeah,
1: well, what starts as a conscious thought then becomes unconscious and then you build the next unconscious thought and then that pushes that thought into the unconscious and then you have this stream sure where the next thing you think about and the next thing you think about like how many times have you said i need to get like 10 things done today yeah and you've got them all stored in your brain you know it's painful i hate It, it yeah and you're like okay i've got to get these 10 things done and they're all unconsciously in your head like i have to get this task and they don't go away man yeah they stay there until you get them done and feel some sense of accomplishment whether or not you do them today or if you do them in a week yeah and you know they're just sitting there so just literally guys I, rec- I recommend taking 10 minutes a day just yeah breathing meditating if you can do it three times do it three times i haven't been able to do that yet yeah okay.
0: it's like anything as well you know you build up that you know progressive overload and it's not to say that you need an instagram at hey boys i meditated today, like it's your own it's your own thing and it's like it doesn't need to be you know the world doesn't need to know routine of your meditation it, do- it doesn't matter it's it's something for you and for your benefit yeah for sure man um something that i really liked um as well with the the meditation thing uh obviously doing a bit of research and like anything it's extremely hard once you get into it was um i think it was described as like outward meditation so ideally if you could um have an environment with some like natural sounds like a bush or a beach um sometimes even i'll just Even put your phone on. I've got like the meditation
1: little little clips that you can put on and just it doesn't have to be guided meditation, but it is nature sounds. Yeah. And I've found I've been doing that some some mornings and that can definitely help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But just uh, for the sake of not using an app, um, even if I- No no technology. (laughs) No technology. Technology is evil. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I might just like pull myself up to like a car park or something before I'm about to go to the shops, for example. And um, all I do is just close my eyes and just- Try and not think about anything, but I'm just listening to sounds and just counting them. So if I hear a bird chirp or a brisk wind or a car pulling up or a person or someone like a trolley or whatever, and I'm just counting that. And before I know it, five, 10 minutes has passed. I feel pretty fresh and I'm just like, oh, you know what? I'm actually, I've got a bit of clarity now, Um, but I think everyone needs to, you know, find their niche when it comes to the meditation side, because uh, it's talked about because it's a good thing it-
1: yeah yeah the, that, there's different forms of meditation so you've got like transcendental meditation you've got just like breathing meditation and you just have to find one that works for you and that you know you can get better at because like I was saying before I just I couldn't sit there and meditate when I started doing it now I can sit there for like 12 13 minutes every, yep. every you know every week or two i'll just put a little i put a timer on so i know when the 10 minutes is up um and then slowly just you know come come to my day and then um yeah so just basically build it up slowly so that you can you know get get to that because it's it's going to be uncomfortable to start like an exercise in the gym you know you have to get better at it and you have to find the times in your day that it fits around you know
0: yeah that um it's yeah, it's like even with the the ice baths as well. It just sounds like it um it builds like a a personal uh, achievement. I guess it's the word achievement. You know, yeah. if, you, if you can compete yeah, yeah. in an ice bath, it's like it's also like a um you know competent. You feel competent, and then also with the meditation, not only are you getting the benefits, you know, you're getting the the feel of like you know what I I just disconnected from everything, and I feel yeah. pretty good. Yeah, for sure, didn't man.
1: Kill me. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's recovery in a in a nutshell, man. Definitely. We touched on it well. Like just just do things that um, that you can manage. Yeah. Um, you know, and find the find the things that, that work for you, you know, suit your lifestyle.
0: Awesome. All right. Well uh, next topic I really want to speak to you about was um, mindset. Uh, in comp. Sure. Out of comp, how do you stay accountable? Um I'll probably let you take the majority of the lead and if I have questions I'll ask as you go but sure. th- I think this is a really important one because I feel with bodybuilding when it comes to body composition and obviously the resilience that comes with the the sport you don't have to be a hardcore bodybuilder to you know do what a bodybuilder does you know weight loss is basically just a comp prep in a nutshell mm-hmm. it's just a lifestyle intervention that you integrate with the everyday life um, there's no magic bullet you just do it you grind it it sucks a bit but um, obviously in comp and out of comp phases is very different yeah for sure man like off season
1: um, I take more of a relaxed approach so that it becomes a long term thing um, obviously I still track and I still keep things you know relatively under control um, but then when it comes comp time my mindset just I can literally flick a switch. And I'm in comp mode, you know, and I know when I flick that switch as well, like it'll be, you know, say I've started a prep 25 weeks out of the show um, and, you know, I've said I've started prep, but I know if I haven't flicked the switch yet, you know, sure. I, that's what I, and I say to clients, like you have to find this, this thing in you, that's this trigger that you go, nah, man, like now I'm a hundred percent, I'm all or not, nothing, you know what I mean? And that's, that's where my mindset lays when it comes to competing. Um, you have to be all or nothing um well sorry you don't have to but there has to be a a fully a full commitment with self-accountability sure you know to uh to get to the stage you know what i mean fat loss is is actually quite easy to do you know when you were saying fat loss and is sort of like a comp prep but fat loss is sort of like a comp prep for like the start of the start of the phase the last bit of the prep is is really 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 difficult yeah um not that i'm complaining it's just like this part where you have to drop calories down mm. you have to bump up cardio you have to do the stuff the nitty-gritty stuff yeah that like no one wants to do you know because they don't the tell you about gr- yeah, yeah yeah Yeah. exactly you know like the stuff you have to figure out if you want that like if you want to win you've got to you've got to be able to flick a switch in your mindset and go i'm all in right now yeah you know what i mean um and then also learning once that f- switch is flicked to not be hard-headed about it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you've got to learn that like everything else goes on around you. Yeah. So, you've got to be able to flick that switch and be committed to the competition yeah. but not block everything else around you. Sure. And that takes that takes a real long time. And I used to flick a switch and just shut everyone out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just literally just be, all right, it's my comp, you know? I don't freaking care what's going on around me. Like it could be chaos around me and I'm
0: just like, no, nah, I'm getting to my comp. Could have you get know to the mean? gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it doesn't, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. I've seen it a lot, even with um, the power as well when, yeah. you know, they're coming into to comp mode 12 weeks out example. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, it's just gym. It's just gym, eat, sleep. That's it. And I think mm-hmm. bodybuilding is exactly the same, if not probably more extreme because you're so depleted as well. Mm. Um. But I think, yeah, it's a bit of an art to obviously get the most out of yourself and not block out the world as well.
1: For sure, man. And so, you can't expect to um, just get it. You know what I mean? Like like, I so said, don't, don't just say like, oh, cool, I'm going to flick my switch now. James told me, if, you know, I can just flick the switch and get there. <laughs> it's like you've got to build on what flicking that switch is. So, sure. like your first comp, it might be, um, or, you know, or, or fat loss phase, you know, you've got to be able to um, flick the switch and and each time you do that, so you you know, cool. I did a six week uh, fat fat loss phase. Yeah. Um. And I was committed for six weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? How can I do that better the next time? You know? How yep. can I manage everything else around me while I'm committed to that goal? Yep. You know what I mean? And that becomes then your lifestyle you know what i mean it becomes less of a, a task you know it goes ties in back to like yeah cool go get your diet and go commit to that yeah but then play off that and learn how to sort of fit it into your to your holistic approach
0: you yeah know? and i mean um probably something i forgot to mention in the the nutrition segment was um it it also sounds like it's a bit like a scientific experiment where you've done it once and then you've got you know maybe you want to test an independent variable. You know, mm-hmm. did that work? Did that not work? Yeah. Well, we need to find out, and that's probably something you would um do on your off season because you probably wouldn't want to change too many things going into your um, comp comp prep. But I guess that's what you know your coach is there for, uh, if you have one. If you have one as a competitor, but um, it it's definitely it's definitely one of those things where it just seems like it's it's surgical. It gets a bit yeah. surgical with what you're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Um, and then, like, touching on it with when it's when I'm not in competition. Yeah. Like, it's learning how to um, be flexible while also getting the results that you're sort of – you're aiming to get. You know what I mean? And, like, learning to be not too flexible. Sure. You know? And hinder your results. Sure. You know what I mean? So, um, that's also – that's a task in itself. Yep. You know what I mean? Big time, man. Like, I see people commit to comps and then post comp, they've, like – you know they've just completely ruined their diet they haven't turned it around and like it's just it, everything goes to crap so yeah it's like you need to learn how to work each phase and how it ties into each other sure. so that you can build um your own lifestyle and something that's sustainable long term yeah you know what i mean and and i don't recommend doing that for a sh- like something short term for a show you know if you're looking at doing a show um you know or a 12-week diet phase like this is why you get these yo-yo diets you know people just commit like this 12-week block and then as soon as that 12-week block is up or the 30-day challenge is up it's like everything throws out the window it's like you can't you've got to actually just build on good habits and you know eliminate your bad habits and then just build into that so rather than like going zero to 100 so like that's i suppose that's where we can draw the line for the comp people and the 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 general pop he's like um if you're general pop look at making it a lifestyle thing yep. um even when you get the diet yep. and then when you know or, or the other program or whatnot you know what i mean and then if you're um versus the comp prep where um you know you've got to almost flick that switch in that last bit you know what i mean because like there is a six-week window where my lifestyle goes out the window yep. to be able to get to the to the stage, you know what I mean. At the condition that I want to, so outside that six week block, and I'm doing doing one show a year, so that's only six weeks of every year. Outside that six week window, I'm looking at a maintainable
0: lifestyle. Of course, you know what I mean. Yeah, and yep. that's a, that's another thing that comes up all the time of, um, especially with like the IFBB of like what's what's sustainable. You know, yeah, I, I know with yourself, you're playing the long game, but you know if you've been around uh, the bodybuilding federation for those out there. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very intense sport, and if you plan of making something of it, you you can't be doing this crash, uh, high ped you know, high crazy unsustainable actions. Yeah, basically. Yeah, um, for sure, man. Which is always it's always a bit sad to see because um, obviously with a uh, Instagram and instant gratification and the culture that we're living in as well is just this unachievable, you know, shredded booty. Just insane, just insane physiques for such young people, but no one's their Instagram, and it just puts this um, cultural pressure on young people, especially uh, who seem to care a lot about this sort of stuff. And go, well, you know, I want to look like that, I want to do that, and I want tits and boobs like her, and um, like I want it now.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's why that's like you see all these people like that's why like you get this this like flux of people these days who are saying they need a coach. You know what I mean? Like they're going into. Um, everything and just saying, like, they're going into looking their fitness results and going, cool, I need a coach to get me there and I need someone to just, like, go, go and, you know, do it all for me, you and, know what I mean?
0: And it looks like it's a very unregulated market. Would you say that's a fair statement?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I'm a little bit niche because I do draw the more of the bodybuilding people, sure. but I prefer the general, the general pop. you know what I mean? Because we can work on the lifestyle things, the things that I enjoy, yeah. you know, things that I'm learning for myself is applicable yeah. to to everyone you know what i mean and that's what you've got to find you know you've got to find people that work that 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 are working on themselves yeah. you know what i mean and also will help you work on you rather than just go to someone who you know just
0: you know does it all for you yeah you know? sh- like totally that yeah that's couldn't have said it better myself um anything you wanted to add on with the the prep side of things um I, it's just a super niche sort of thing you know what I mean yeah. um, like
1: I mean it is a growing culture in WA yeah. um, or in Australia as well you know what I mean all over the fitness the fitness world is, is growing big time man but um, you know what I mean like you've just
0: you've yeah it's it is what it is <laughs> yeah no I just um I just it just bothers me as well with the whole um, you know there's so many more coaches and this culture is like blown up but we're getting fatter and yeah. that just that, that, that just grinds my gears but you know what like I think in time the, the culture will shift and people will realize and the education will be there and um, the lack of quality uh, coaching will sort of subside and fizzle and these guys will realize they have to get real jobs and people will just stop endorsing the uh, the BS.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's a cool thing that's happened with Instagram, man. Like mm. the, the likes. Yeah, the, they got the rid likes, of the likes. The likes yeah. disappeared. I think that's super cool, man, because like, you have to be authentic when you're posting, and you have to actually create value in what you're posting to be able to uh, to come across as who you are. You know, like you've got to, you know, if you want to build yourself. I mean, like I use it as a, a marketing tool as well. Sure. You know what I mean? So I build a building a branding, but then also have I use the same page for my personal stuff. You know, so it's like don't get lost in in that. You know what I mean? Don't get lost in like uh, just posting things that people are posting you know what i mean because you've seen someone else post it don't like stuff because other people like it just be authentic and do your thing you know yeah, build and on it, your lifestyle
0: this isn't a dig at the the female uh, side of things but you know just because someone is looking fab in a set of leggings in a you know gym shark boob tube whatever and doesn't instantly make them a fitness guru and I really hope like, especially with YouTube and stuff like that, that people continue to call out the, the lack of knowledge and the lack of efficacy, um, in the, in the fitness industry because, oh man, it's changing. Like it's always
1: changing. You know what I mean? So like, we've just gone through that phase where like the people are, who are, um, you know, just, just getting the business and getting all the the people from that, um, from being like insta famous, I suppose you know what I mean. So it's going to change, and there's there's going to be times where things you know switch up, and people are going to realise where the um you know where the authentic people
0: come from. You know, yeah. Um, I know you recently went to Thailand, um, yeah, and did a bunch of things there, and you know had a bit of had a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, eight uh, weeks over there. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good fun, man. Um,
1: like as as you know, Thailand is is a place uh where some some people may know, some people may not know, um, that, you know, a lot of bodybuilders tend to flock to Thailand. Um, you know, because it's it's a good place to go. You can eat, sleep,
0: train, like PEDS easily accessible, all that sort of stuff, you know? And um I couldn't help but notice the the Olympic lifting, bit of CrossFit. Um I know this is gonna sound a bit funny, but James did do crossfit while he was out there and he didn't disappear yes. and wither away <laughs> to nothing but um how, how did that how did that come about and in, in regards to your two your goals
1: um this this time post show i just wanted to try something where i was doing more fitness work um yeah. and just seeing if i could be functional at a dysfunctional weight you know what i mean like like being being 105 kilos at my height is pretty restricted on moving. So I was yeah. like, how can I get heavier and still be really, really functional? Um, and I'm like, well, I just got to move like everyone else moves. You know what I mean? I've yeah. just got to just I've got to do things like. And who moves better than like freaking crossfitters? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, when when you, you reach know? any sort of uh, the fittest man on earth or Rich Froning. Oh Jesus, I don't. I'm not too sure on their names, but they just they're just beasts. They literally. Yeah. Some of those guys are strolling around with the the physique of a nineteen seventies Olympia bodybuilder, yet they're like they can they're strong and they can do stuff, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah a <laughs> and lot they of can movement, run. man.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. Like you've just got to. That's why I was going into it. It's like because you've got to um, you've got to move a lot more and and go into all of and do everything that like your body doesn't want to do or maybe you haven't thought about doing. Like yeah. you've just got to try new things um with your body even if you're niched out like i'm i'm a bodybuilder but i still do crossfit you know what i mean and like you just got to try new things and find out what works for you you know like uh, it's and now from doing that i did quite a heavy phase of crossfit and um, uh, and like just trying trialing at different things while i was over there and from that i now do crossfit twice a week so i do two crossfit workouts yep. within um, my bodybuilding workout. I also do like Pilates, so which is just basic movements. Um, and I just throw little things in there, you know what I mean? Just to keep keep me moving and keep new things and learning new things. Like you just gotta, you gotta have an open mind when it comes to those things rather than just closing off and being like, I'm a bodybuilder. I gotta lift weights. I can't do, well, I mean, bodybuilders do cardio, but like, you know, I can't
0: do all the things that non-bodybuilders do. You so, know? You said you do two crossfit workouts a week yeah. on top of your how many days split uh, five day split five day split so where yeah. we won't get into nitty-gritty but I'm just genuinely curious yeah what's your split for the bodybuilding and where do you fit in these extra sessions and lastly is that taxing on your central nervous system doing all that stuff
1: um so five days a week weight training yeah. and then and I do three days on on One day off, two days on, one day off. There's my seven days and that's my weights. And then I fit in one of my CrossFit workouts on one of my two rest days and then my second one on a smaller muscle group day. And I can mix it in. So, say I train arms in the morning, I do CrossFit at night or vice versa. Um, And... Uh, I do have to keep routine with that because otherwise I won't do it and I won't get my two in for the week. Um, but fitness work is important for me, yeah. so I, I fit it into my schedule. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like you asked: is it, It's not too taxing on the central nervous system um, because it's low resistance. Sure. So you know, it's just like to give people examples: um, ergo bike, or so the yeah. ergo rowing machine, the the spin the spin bike, or the Wingate bike. Yeah ropes, ball slams, like all these things can become um, movements that you do in your CrossFit workouts or your fitness, your fitness regime. Um, And it doesn't like, you know, I got caught up in this sort of this mentality that like, oh, cool. Like I trained back yesterday so I can't do any chin-ups on on the next day because I just trained back. So if I hit it again, I'm going to lose muscle. I'm, you know, I just had some, you know I mean, some idea that like if I keep my bodybuilding split, I can't train, you know, I have to stick to my bodybuilding split. But it's like now I'm learning that I can throw extra volume in on my, my fitness workouts because it's lower resistance. So I can throw, like I'm trying to grow my back at the moment. So I hit my back workout I do one back workout um, and one shoulder and back workout. And then on my CrossFit day or my fitness days, I keep keep saying CrossFit, but it's just fitness. You know what I mean? And um, I'll throw chin-ups in there even to add more volume to my back for the week. You know what I mean? And then it'll grow from that. And then I'm working a different different, uh, uh, rep range and working a different energy system while I'm training that and getting different movement in so it seems to be working man
0: yeah no i mean it's great like it's it's really good to see as well that um the the shift in the five day split minimal cardio Mm -hmm. don't worry about fitness uh has completely shifted to what you've just described because um i definitely see a benefit in in what you've mentioned and working those different energy systems you know it sounds like there's a lot of anaerobic uh happening in there which is obviously uh quite good for um you know it's going to help your bodybuilding basically it's going to yeah for sure man so like yeah. i found with doing my uh fitness work
1: as my body weight increased me now sitting at 105 kilos i can do all the things that i could never do at 105 kilos yeah. you know what i mean like once you get to that certain that certain weight yeah. um and i don't know how applicable this is to, to to general pop people but like when you're pushing the limits like you've got to you've got to take a, a bigger picture approach you know what i mean so um yeah, you know, just fit, fitting all those those things in.
0: Yeah, like um, back in the day I used to do uh, up to half marathon lengths and then I kind of dialed it down because I really just wanted to focus on putting on muscle and I found I couldn't really do both but then my knowledge wasn't really quite there either. And not that I'm recommending do half marathon uh, sort of distance but when I got back into running at a larger weight and not being as fit, um, I found that if I was doing, let's say, a certain type of interval, um, and my legs were burning, then I knew it was like my anaerobic or my lactate system that was struggling. Mm-hmm. But if I found that my lungs were burning, uh, then it's more my aerobic, depending on the type of interval that I was doing. Uh, if they're both hurting, then I was just unfit. No, <laughs> like, yeah, there's no, yeah, for there's, sure, no man. there's no uh, dodging that. But I think just the fact that uh, you've got that sort of holistic uh, balance, you know, of resistance training, the lactate system, and Obviously, you're doing your walking and stuff as well, which is, to a degree, it's going to be your aerobic system, like using fat for energy. For sure, that's just like low
1: resistance movement. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, low resistance movement. So basically, just I track steps. So basically, my total movement for the day. Yeah. Um, I track that on my Aura ring. So a little ring that I put on my uh, my finger. Tr- tracks my heart rate, my steps, my sleep, um, and basically that's just to allow, you know, um, you know, tracking of of that day-to-day yeah you know what i mean and having that low resistance allows me to recover from weights um and recover from my fitness sessions um and just give my body a break but then i found with with, i can do less steps on the days that i do my fitness work so for those that are getting bored of doing all this cardio like this steady state cardio um and movement you can start throwing those fitness workouts in with a lower resistance and then reduce your steps down and you sort of you won't gain or you can start losing more you know yeah
0: and and obviously weight loss is um you know going to be the deficit or surplus uh, being in a sorry in a deficit not a surplus yep. um if you are doing those sort of higher intensity um type workouts uh you obviously don't have to do as much working out you don't have to do that steady state cardio but I think the problem is that, you know, they get onto the machine, you see the fat burn zone and you've got to be less than 120 or 10 heart rate depending on your age. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. You will burn more fat percentage at those lower heart rates, but total calories is going to come from obviously something more intense in a shorter amount of time uh, as far as bang for buck when it comes to your time. And yeah. we, we, not all of us have the time to 30, 40-minute walk post-workout type thing in
1: yeah for sure man so throw your fitness work in there and and see all the benefits of that you know um i'm finding big time with doing that fitness work it's benefiting even my weight training you know what i mean so i'm getting more weights up i can actually do shorter rest in my in my weight training and then that's allowing me to throw bigger weights up because i'm more fit and i'm not gassed at all you know what i mean like i used to like i used to blow my hole when I was freaking training legs or something, you know, yeah. like just used to couldn't get enough oxygen in yeah. um, and that's because my fitness was crap. You know what I mean? And that, that you know, you talked a couple of years back um, when my, my body weight was up and, you know, um, that was really affecting my weight training. Yeah. yeah. And obviously quality of life goes yeah. without saying. Oh man, I couldn't tie my shoes uh, without being out of breath. I couldn't yeah. walk up a flight of stairs without huffing and puffing. So now like... You know, I feel like a a new person at this weight, you know, because I've done all the things consistently as my weight's change, And obviously, that's pushed my weight gain out longer. So, post-show, usually, I probably would have got up to this weight a lot quicker, but then I would have um, been more unhealthy. So, maybe we can talk about, like, that for rebounding for people. Like, people are obsessed with gaining weight and this, like, anabolic window post-comp. And it's like, well by doing all this fitness work and doing all the extra movement allowed me to eat more food and allowed me to get to this weight that I am now
0: way later on yeah um so I couldn't imagine that being good just putting on a heap of weight after comp
1: no I did it last year man I had sleep apnea I had a machine um it went uh, yeah my sleep went to crap and it was just yeah it was really bad so that's why I was like man I'm gonna stick to it this year um do all the fitness work that I'm supposed to be doing in my off season um and it's, it's showing off man, big time.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Um, we well, probably just to finish up. Um, I know you've got, uh, some plans to do some training camps.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take people over to Thailand and, um, run them over. Like it's, it's going to be, it'll be tailored to, to the people that come on the camp. So it doesn't just have to be bodybuilders. Bodybuilders can come. They can, they can do the bodybuilding thing. They can go to the pharmacies. They can do what they need to do. Um, but then also the, the other people that come on the camp, it's gonna be a holistic approach through, um, I'm gonna throw some breath and meditation sessions in there. Um, we're gonna teach, I'm gonna teach you a little bit on like, gonna run through some seminars, so nutrition seminars, yeah. um, you know, training seminars, there's gonna be one, uh, one of each of those. And then also just like, um, everything that I've been talking about today yeah. and sort of how it ties and how my experience over the last sort of 12 months um has got me to where i am and all the all the benefits i saw along the way so um yeah i think it'd be good fun man like i haven't got it got it completely organized yet i'm still going to get my website up and going but once that's once that's gone it it should be good to go
0: yeah cool james james newcomb the the modern bodybuilder um and where can people find you
1: um just find me on instagram man at j.e.newcomb uh do you want to say that again (laughs) at j.e.newcomb and then basically uh, or just search James Newcomb in Instagram (laughs) just whatever lovely
0: (laughs) all right well I think that wraps it up and yeah thanks for coming
1: on yeah thanks for having me
0: no worries